0: The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires, with Neil Toff and Paul Catherall.
1: Fireside Chats Without the Fires on the eve of Halloween, episode number 34, October 30th. And we've got a special one, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very special one. We are honored to have with us today, author extraordinaire, second book, about to be published. Not only is it Halloween Eve, but we're on the eve of the publication of the book. Our guest, Brian Horn, author of the About to Come Out. Get ready for the title. This is a good one. Get your stuff and get out. Why customer service sucks and how we can make it great again. Brian, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, gentlemen. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: Great to have you. I'm co-host and co-creator of Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Neil Toff, joined by my Extraordinary co-host and co-creator Paul Catherall. Paul, let everyone hear that that
2: voice of yours. <laughs> hey, Neil. Hey, Brian. Hey, everyone. Again, what a wonderful way to spend a Friday. I couldn't. I couldn't wish for a, a better way to spend my my Friday, So thank you very much. And Neil, it's great to see that you got the check shirt memo. Well played, buddy. Well played. We both got the memo. <laughs> I actually dressed myself this morning. Believe it or not, first
1: time for everything. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Paul, On because it is Podcast Friday, yep. let the audience know how you always feel on Podcast Friday. This morning, you are?
2: I'm buzzing. I am buzzing. <laughs> it's,
1: it's not a Friday date of recording without Paul waking me up in the morning and telling me, I'm buzzing because we've got a podcast going on. And buzzing, he is buzzing. He, he is buzzing. I am. we got a great guest uh, here with us today. Brian, we, again, we're excited to have you. Tell us about this book. Uh, I got to tell you, the title is obviously catchy. It's great. Get Your Stuff and Get Out, Why Customer Service Sucks and How We Can Make It Great Again. It sounds almost like a breakup book. Tell us how <laughs> you got to the title, why it's called that, and what, what's on your mind here?
0: <laughs> you know, my my publisher kind of said thing. It's They're like, I, I feel like this is what I said to my boyfriend when I broke up. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you could consider that, but what it is is actually um, – something very similar to this was said to me almost 20 years ago at a very, very large retailer, um, where I was going through the aisles of the store and I had asked a, a, an employee, um, for where something was located. And this employee was very actively engaged in talking on their cell phone to their girlfriend. And, um, I again asked, you know, where could I find this particular item, and they said it's on aisle five. Now get your and use a substantive word, also starting with S, and get out. And Whoa. so obviously, yeah, obviously, I couldn't use the oh. real word <laughs> in in the title for publication reasons, but that has always stuck with me, you know. Um, and and you know, as I train clients and as I train. Um, customer experience professionals and companies, this kind of, they actually are the ones who say that back to me. They're like, you know, get your stuff and get out. It's just like, we don't, we don't want you here. You know, we don't, we want, we want your money, but we don't want your business. And I feel that's how most consumers feel now is, from companies is, you know, they just want you to be as a, a li- little, a little bit of a problem, you know, don't bother them, just get your stuff and get out. And I just really felt that that drove home. What I'm trying to convey and what I'm trying to say is that there is a real problem. And there are companies who really have mastered customer experience and who do an outstanding job. So I don't want to, I don't want to be that doom and gloom kind of guy. But we do have to acknowledge that there are issues. And I personally believe it is going a lot more downhill than it is going uphill and we need to really catch that and and change that curve. So as I was going through titles that's just what stuck out in my mind is you know get your stuff and get out, you know just pick your items off the shelf or make your purchase and don't bother us and you know don't we're 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 so busy doing other you know things than providing you a great experience that, but we still want to get paid for it, of course. And so just get your stuff and get out. Um, and the subtitle, you know, I, I, again, I really wrestled with it, but I'm like, there's really no other way to say it, in my opinion. Um, it, it just, it, it is catchy. It's right to the point, And it really just sums up how I, how I feel. And I think how a lot of consumers feel um, about the modern state of, you know, customer experience and customer service within companies today. So, Um, It is, it's not about breakup, it's not about relationship, but it is, it is about um, how I think the new norm and the new mantra of customer services and why I think we need to change that and, and bring that back up to the, to the better, to the things that it used to be.
1: So let's, let's double click on this title here because there's so much in here, but let's Mm -hmm. focus first, why customer service sucks. So you're going to actually explain to us why it sucks and then you're going to somehow come up with a prescription of how we can make it great again. Give us the top one or two reasons why it sucks, and then I'm Mm -hmm. really curious to know what are your prescriptions of how we can make it great again, a top two or three. So let's break it down, the first half of it. Why does it suck? So I I don't think anyone's going to disagree that there's certainly companies that make it suck, and there's employees that make it suck, and there's lots of examples that we can all point to uh, in our personal and professional lives and say, wow, these companies are really just – doing a terrible job. But why? Mm-hmm. Tell us about the why. Why is that happening?
0: It's a great question. The, the top two reasons I would say um, that I found to be both factual and in practice are, number one, is companies have enacted company-centric policies and have shifted so far from customer-centric policies that they don't even know what a customer-centric policy is anymore. Um, you know, a company may have had a bad experience. Let's say they were um they took a big loss or maybe they were even sued or you know just something like that happened and so they just went from one extreme of providing great customer centric policies to protection mode you know build up the wall put up the defenses get out the guns and just defend 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 and do everything in the name of defense and you know compliance and safety um which has really just turned it from customer focused to company focused. Um, so companies, you know, develop these really, these, these policies that just only favor themselves. And they justify it in the name of whatever bad experience they have, or they got burned or they got, you know, something not so well happened to them. That's the first aspect. The second is the way that they treat the employees and, it's really not a one or two it's not a linear thing in my mind they're 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 intertwined um companies quite frankly just don't care about how they treat their people anymore and when you devalue a human being when you treat them as less than human when you treat them like you know i i I call them like the borg off of star trek if you remember star trek next generation um the Borg were just, they were, they were drones. They were, they were machines that were just bred to do whatever job they were told to do and had no emotion, had no, um, they were more machine than man. And so when you treat people like that, that's exactly what you're going to get. Um, when you tell somebody that, you know, you are just a number, you are just a means to an end. You are why I make money. That doesn't feel very good. Um, how there's would a lot you in here, it? hold
1: on, let's, let, let's go back to, <laughs> so, so I think, ab- absolutely, it, it, it's a linear relation, right, if you treat employees badly, there's a great likelihood that the employees are going to treat the customers badly, I don't think anyone would disagree with that, maybe a little mm-hmm. few exceptions here and there, but, but but different versions of it, but I, I want to go to the first part of it, uh, that you talked about, Is I think you kind of, what you described in an earlier conversation with us is the rules, the policies, yes, those are the ones that are kind of broken. I think, I think this is a more of a unique uh, perspective here that we don't hear as much about. Every company has their policies, their procedures, their disclaimers, their this, their that, the other to protect themselves. I think you get, you're you onto something here about mm-hmm. the rules. And I think you even said that the rules should be broken, right, are you, are you advocating for breaking all those rules and getting rid of most of these things? And opening yes. it up and not having rules? I mean, can, can I describe what that looks like?
0: So, yeah, I, you know, rules, sometimes, I mean, obviously rules are good, um, depending on the situation. I'm, I'm not advocating in any way that, you know, you should just have free reign and, you know, because free reign leads to anarchy. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that in most customer service um, examples, rules can and should and must be broken, because all they do is hinder the experience of the customer because most of those rules are when I, you know, let's go back to that company centric um, culture versus the customer centric. Those rules are there to protect the company, not to favor the customer. And so, you know, for example, when a, when a customer let's say calls into a company and they have to be transferred to four different departments to get a refund, because that's our policy or that's our procedure, that is a stupid rule that needs to be broken. When somebody calls in and says, yeah, I you know I'm having this problem with my bill, I need it refunded. And you say, well, it could take you know 30 to 60 days to research it and we'll get back to you. That is a stupid rule that should be um, broken and fixed. Things like that that are just completely, Opposite of a good customer experience that are uh, that are that 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 hinder your customers from being happy, that hinder business from continuing. Those are the rules I'm talking about. Obviously, you know, I come from a from a financial world. The government has mandated certain, you know, practices and procedures and banks and you know, finance institutions need to be in compliance with those. So that's kind of the exception. But I think in most industries, in most cases, there are rules that exist that just quite frankly are stupid, they don't make sense. And all they do is protect the company versus provide the customer with a great experience and a great resolution to any service interruptions that they do um, experience.
1: On your website, I had a chance to read a couple of your blog entries, by the way, remind the audience, sorry, not remind, but tell the audience for the first time, what your website is so that that we can uh, find you. We know how to read your stuff. What is it?
0: It's www.thecsrevolution.com. So the, it stands for customer service revolution, but the csrevolution.com.
1: Thecsrevolution.com. Perfect. So Mm -hmm. check out a couple of these blogs here on one of your recent blogs. You described uh, an experience or set of experiences that many of us have unfortunately, uh, heard before, which is the use of the repeated use of the word, unfortunately, (laughs) and I think you just described it eloquently. Unfortunately, I can't help you. Unfortunately, I need to transfer you to the, you know, the, the such and such department. Unfortunately, the wait time is going to be 37 and a half months, right? (laughs) unfortunately, 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 (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and that gets to obviously uncomfortable experiences. This is just just thinking yes. out loud, Paul. I think yeah. you probably know this in our businesses that this to me sounds not necessarily only about rules, but more about, or, or also about process. yeah but companies have broken processes. They they create a process, or, or or maybe even they don't create a process that creates the need to transfer to put people on hold to. Uh, wait for 37 and a half months to figure something out that can be really figured out almost automatically or, or certainly have a much less uh, the, the reduce the wait period for something to be figured out. They don't have experience in mind. Does that sound familiar in, in, in your business? It certainly doesn't mind. I've seen, yeah. you know, clients of ours that, that, that create these nonsensical processes
2: that, that just creates the backlog, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's down to the fact that some companies or, or businesses out there don't put the customer at the heart of everything they do, right? So they, they create a process or they create a system without really maybe end testing or doing the user testing on it from a customer perspective. It may work internally. The systems may work internally, but that doesn't mean that that's a great customer experience. So I think there's the disconnect there. And i I'm starting to see certainly from you know the, my company that I'm in at the moment and the industry as a whole, there's a lot more drive now to get care involved when it comes to setting up new processes or new systems. Um, I'm, I certainly don't disagree from, from anything that, that Brian's saying there, but I, what I will say is that as a company ourselves, we've recognised it and we are making changes now to improve things. So um, 100% agree with Neil, it's important that when a company launches a new process or a new system or even a new tool, that they do take the customer into account and the on the experience that customer has, right? Because sometimes I think that's forgotten, mate.
1: Agreed. Let, let's, Brian. Let's circle back to um, the the second half of the title, which is how we can make it great again. Mm-hmm. It meaning cus- customer service. Correct. A couple of examples of how. We can make it great again. Because by the way, if you, if you figure this out, you're going to get a Nobel Prize in customer experience. <laughs> I, I think many of us struggle. I don't think we see the clear roadmap to how to make it great again. We struggle with it. You got the, the roadmap for us? Tell us.
0: Well, I mean, that, that's my goal is to get the Nobel Prize for customer experience. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm working on. But, you know, um, I, I think the best answer is to circle back to what I wrote in my very first book. And I wrote a whole chapter entitled Customer Service and Country Music. And let me explain that. You know, for, for your American listeners, you know, and a lot of international listeners, you know, you're probably familiar with what country Western music is. And I grew up in the Deep South. I grew up in, uh, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. So I grew up around traditional, you know, country music. And what I said in my first book is that... Um, you know a great songwriter named harlan howard once said that country music was nothing more than just three chords and the truth it was simple and it talked about true life and it was just it was just it was just simple it was genuine and it was simple but what i say in my previous book is that country music now has really changed it has become i i I equate it to like when we were kids And, you know, we wanted to maybe cook breakfast in bed for mom and dad, but we didn't know what we were doing. And so we took a little bit of this and a little bit of that and threw it all together in a pot. And whatever gross concoction came out is what we served mom and dad for breakfast. And that's kind of what country music, in my opinion, has become. And that's why I related to customer service. It started out as this really pure and simple and wonderful thing of a desire to help people. And now it's just become this weird concoction of, you know, let's try this. Let's try that. Or, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. Um, What we think works, everyone else is going to like kind of mentality. And this is the result. Um, So it really can be simple is what I'm is what I advocate and what I passionately believe. Matrixes are great. KPIs are great. You know, all those things are great. But what it really comes down to is that golden rule that we all learned, you know, in preschool, that we learned by watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you know, or any kids' show on television be kind, be genuine, and be sincere. That is the formula. And it really can be that simple. But we have, unfortunately, I think as a, as a, regular society and as a business society have become so consumed in ourselves and have become so consumed in what what what's going to work for us versus what's going to be productive for you know our clients and our customers that we have just forgotten. And so we just need to get back to the very basics of you know treating employees kindly, valuing employees, giving them empowerment and and ability to serve people and truly remembering that our customers are the ones who keep us in business and remembering that HR does not pay your paycheck your customers do and just getting back to basics um that's how we make it great again is remembering and and just it, it's just a little change of our mindset it's it's not some dramatic formula it's not a radical economic theory it's just back to basic human decency and kindness, and I don't know of any other way to say it. Um, it's just treat people how you want to be treated. Um, you know, give your give your customers a reason to do business with you and come back again and again, and and provide those great experiences. It really is just that simple. It's not a. I, I wish it was some complex formula that you know filled up an entire dry erase board you know, with letters and numbers and looked really cool. It's just that simple. Treat people kindly, treat your employees. Yeah. Treat your employees. Great. Treat your customer and they will treat your customers. Great. It's just that simple.
1: Love it. So, for those that have not bought your first book because you have a, a first book that you, you published. remind the audience the title of your first book is
0: the customer service revolution eight principles that will change the way companies think about the customer experience and the employees who work for them
1: perfect and so the book that is about to come out that we are on the eve of that is on, on the eve of being published and released is called get your stuff and get out why customer service sucks and how we can make it great again. Where are people going to be able to find it?
0: There's, it's going to be available on Amazon. Obviously, you can go to my website, again, which is www.thecsrevolution.com. Um, but it will be available on Amazon. I believe it's also going to be on Barnes & Noble um, and most you know, major retailers uh, online for purchase. But Amazon is, you know, who doesn't go to Amazon anymore? Um, so that's, that's primarily where you're going to be able to find it.
1: Perfect. So as we do with all of our guests, we'd like to pick your brain a little bit and ask you three questions So we kind of wind down the final third of of today's session. Okay. I think I know what you're going to say. I'm going to take a guess, but I want you to tell the audience, (laughs) what is your myth buster?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that rules and and procedures and policies are, are, are essential to customer experience. That's rules my and
1: policies are essential. Oh, okay. That's the myth.
0: That's and the myth. You want to
1: take a, you want to bust that myth up, I assume.
0: I would, I would respectfully say you couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> um, you, you couldn't be more wrong as we just discussed, you know, in the customer experience world and in the business world, there should be, I, I think a uniform set. I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to advocate, you know, that I'm just for free reign and, you know, whatever, but the, the lesser, the better. And when you give employees and when you give people the opportunity to think freely, to really get the creative juices flowing in their brain, you know, God gave you a brain for a reason, so you might as well use it. Um, you would be amazed at not only the experiences that can be generated, but by the ROI that that generates. You know, I'm. it's astounding to see that, you know, companies are so hell-bent on spending massive amounts of money in their budget toward direct marketing to advertising, when it was found in recent scientific surveys that companies can save almost 75% of their marketing budget by simply empowering their employees to provide great customer experiences. Because your customers will do all the marketing for you. You don't have to do anything. You just can sit back and watch the money roll in. And so companies really have this fear, like, oh, if we give our employees too much discretion, they're going to cost us a lot of money. The science and the data and the facts prove otherwise. When you empower your employees to kind of have a free reign and to really just have the ability to go out there and create these great experiences, you actually save money. You actually produce more sales. You produce greater brand loyalty. It's just a fact. If you don't believe me, go to ritz Carlton. And see how they have given their employees, every employee, a discretionary $2,000 line of credit per uh, per employee per customer, and they just do it. If they see a guest that needs something or something that'll enhance their experience, they do it, and there's no questions asked. Uh, Kimpton hotel chains has also kind of done something similar, where they create what they call Kimpton moments with their guests, what they define as insanely personable interactions between our company and our guests um it can be done and it should be done so these rules inhibit creativity they inhibit you know when it, it, i'm sure both you gentlemen have heard that phrase you know from a from a company well i'd love to do that for you but my hands are tied
1: unfortunately and,
0: <laughs> unfortunately fun unfortunately that's against our company policy or unfortunately i can't do that and that's when i say if i hear unfortunately one more time i'm going to crawl through this phone and you know i don't know what i'm going to do because you know to me unfortunately is on the same level as most swear words and they should be considered the same um because what unfortunately when you say unfortunately what you're saying is i could but i'm not gonna I'm, I, I, yeah, I maybe could do that, but I'm just not going to. It's very, it's so arrogant. It's, it's just, it's blasphemous in my, in my vernacular. So, um, but yeah, it's the, the fact. Yeah, it is. It's a blasphemous word and it should be eliminated from the vernacular of every organization. And that's something I'm passionate about too, but that's, that's another podcast. So <laughs> You know, um, yeah, just the, the science and the data and the facts completely break the myth that that these rules and these procedures are beneficial to a company. They're actually hurting your company. They're hurting your brand. They're hurting your image. And then you need to just do away with them.
1: Perfect. Love it. Let's go to the second of the final third. Two CX quotes that mean something to you. You've got, you've got two of them for us. Number one, I think it's, well, You you tell us what your quotes are.
0: Uh so I believe the first one was um it was a quote by the Disney Institute and it's I I think I just touched on it but it was uh that something about how companies have this fear of this word discretion when it comes to customer experience of empowerment they have a fear of these words that it could cost the company you know too much money in the short term you know Uh, Companies will say, well, if if we allow our employees to do this and this and this and this, it's going to cost us a lot of money. But what you should be thinking of more is what is it going to cost me long term? How is that going to affect me, you know, down the road as a company Um, by not providing those experiences, by not enabling my employees? That's what you should be concerned about um, is... Yeah, you might save a buck here and a buck there in the, in the short term, but is that worth losing customers? Is that l- uh, worth losing brand reputation? Is that worth you know spending 12% of your marketing budget on social media warriors, as I call them, that do nothing but scan websites and social media platforms 24 hours a day to fend off all of the negative things people are saying about your company? is it really worth it? And I think the second quote um, was the Nordstrom quote by John Nordstrom. Service that never, uh, what is it? Refresh my my memory on what I wrote.
1: I got to hear this. And this is taken from your blog. And and you correctly uh, attributed it to John Nordstrom. I thought it was actually attributed to you. I wasn't aware of it, but it's a great quote. And it was, service like it used to be, but service that never was.
0: Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, John Nordstrom. I wish I had pioneered that because I have a chance to read. Uh, it's a book called The Nordstrom Way, and it's all about you know Nordstrom and 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 how they built such a successful company. And John Nordstrom said that. And I'm sure people would disagree with me, but what I gathered from what he was trying to say was, again, that simplicity service like it used to be you know in the good old age so, you know kind caring compassionate we really do we really value you as a, a as a customer and as a person and we want you to come back and do business with us so true Can let's, no wi- pa-
1: let's wind down with the final third of We hear you. Great. Let's let's wind down to the final third here. Yeah, you have two CX heroes. That it's quite interesting. These are these are not known necessarily to us. I'd love for you to share and describe quickly who they are, so that the community can get a sense of who your heroes are.
0: You know, I have so many. heroes, but yeah, um, one is, is Yvonne Jones. She's a colleague on LinkedIn. I've never met Yvonne. I've never met her in person. We've only communicated through LinkedIn, but she is one of the people, uh, wonderful people who endorsed my, my second book and just really gets it on why it's so crucial to treat customers as valued people. And I really appreciated her insights and reading her, um, reading her, her, her literature and her opinions on things. So I really value her. And then David Kitchen. um, He is the director of uh, human resources for uh, one of the largest cities in the state of Utah. And he's, he's a CX hero, not because he's CX, he's far from CX. He's actually human resources, but he's also, he, he really drives home the first point Employees with compassion and dignity, and how that leads to better, you know, production in the workplace, and how that leads to better customer service and, and interactions with the public. Um, he is just a champion of that. He has. We became friends through some very interesting circumstances, um, but he gets it, and he is also on a mission to change the human resources world for the better because he believes there's a real disconnect with how human resources treats candidates and applicants and employees. Um, he gets it. And so I just really look up to these individuals, and I'm so thankful and appreciative and to, and blessed to have them in my life, and, and I'm proud to call them colleagues and friends.
1: Super. Brian, you've been a sensational guest. We're wishing you all the best with the publication of your new book. Audience, go get the book. As soon as it comes out, check out Brian's website, follow him. got some good, good, good blogs as well. I, I recommend checking out his blogs. So there's some good feedback, good thoughts and provocative things in there. Some really, really good quotes. Brian, we're wishing you luck. We're cheering you on, pal. Uh, you've got some, some, uh, some really great thoughts out here and it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: Absolutely, Brian. All the best. Thank you, Thank gentlemen. You,
0: it's been a, it's been a, it's been a joy and an honor. Thank you so much. And, and you guys have a great, uh, great day and, uh, and a great rest of the 2020.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You
1: too. Great 2020 to all of us. Thank you, okay, audience. Have... This is Fireside fireside Chats Without the Fires. Neil Taft, Paul Capital, concluding episode 34. Please <laughs> give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe. Just make sure that we get into your rotation of con- of consumption. Consume this podcast. Love it. Because we got great great guests, lots of great guests. Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.
0: This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome.
1: Thank you for listening.